Jacques Howard. I'm on location at Princeton University, and I'm in a gallery of the program in gender and sexuality studies. Um, it was uh, quite difficult finding this particular building, Dickinson Hall, on this lovely uh, campus of Princeton University, one of the Ivy League schools. And uh, we're here, we're going to be talking to Lady Moranti about her art, but I'm fortunate enough to have her mother here as well, who's also an artist, and then um, the supervisor of the gallery. So let's start with you first. Mom, what's your name? Faith Mokel. Faith Mokel, okay. And the, and the supervisor of the gallery? Yeah, actually I'm the curator of the gallery, okay. so I curate the, uh, the shows that are here. Dana Lickstraw is my name. Dana Lickstraw, okay, Dana, thanks. And of course the woman who's my friend and why I'm here, Lenny Moranti, thanks for a couple of minutes of your time and congratulations on another wonderful art opening here at the gallery. Thank you so much, Jacques. All right, sure thing. So. Um, it was interesting to come into this space and then to meet your sons um, who are also artistically inclined and your husband's an artist as well. And then to meet your mother who is also an artist. Um, Mom, can you tell us a little bit about your art and then we'll transfer that over to uh, Lainey picking it up from you, obviously. Briefly, ever since I could recognize anything as an object that was interesting, I would draw a picture of it pictures dating back to when I was three years old <laughs> and it's either painting or drawing or whatever but anything that I captured my imagination say oh wow that's really special looking and then I'd record it in my head and put it on paper or canvas or whatever. Mm -hmm. So drawing and painting was something that you were passionate about? I just did it. It was as normal as breathing. Mm. Now were your parents artists as well? Not professionally. My father had talent in that direction, as did his family. They were Italian, so they did, you know, form of that. <laughs> very, they can use their hands very well. Very well, yes. Great. Now, as a parent of an artist, and actually a grandparent of artists as well, what does that mean to you to see that, that talent, that natural God-given talent, transfer through oh, the generations? Thrilling. It's thrilling, and each one is so unique. Lainey's just herself, and her vision and her art is her own style, and she's so good at it. And she's also good about talking about it. She knows how to explain herself. Hmm, I'm very proud of her. Oh, that's great. And in settings like this, I always like to have parents and, and children and siblings and, and talk to each other because a lot of times that affirmation, you don't always get that. And I find that when I'm recording it, and people know that this is a recording and it's going to be distributed, they have a tendency to open up, move that veil, mm -hmm. and to let the person, the subject matter, say, let, let that subject matter know how supportive they are. And I'm not sure if your mother has done that all your life, but I've assumed since she's here, she has. Um, can you talk about the support you've gotten since you were a child and decided that you would Absolutely. like to do art? Sure. So the very first support I got from my mother that I was very aware of was uh, when I was in sixth grade and I pretended to be sick so that I could stay home from school and work with my paint by number set that was given to me as a gift. And I'll tell you, I opened up those little paint, uh, little tiny plastic uh, paint jars and I did not follow the lines. And I swirled the paint around and had a blast. And uh, and I know my mother knew I wasn't sick. I don't know that she knew I was going to be painting instead of going to school. 
but that's my first recollection of being supported as an artist. Um, <laughs> and it was, uh, and obviously I've remembered it ever since, but my growing up, uh, and I was one of uh, five siblings, uh, four sisters who all had their artistic talents. One was a singer, uh, is, is a singer, um, and two others are painters as well. Um, they live in the Baltimore area. Um, one married an artist, and uh, the brother became a lawyer. <laughs> so I have to interject something sure, there. Sure. When Fritz was, I don't know, 12 years old, he looked at me one day and he said, Mom, I'm going to be a lawyer. Somebody in this family has to have some more sense. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the support has always been there, partly because we grew up, I'll speak for myself, I grew up surrounded by my mother's paintings of Canada, where I was born, the paintings of the trees. They were watercolors and oil paints. Um, and the stories of her selling her artwork to some gentleman who found her, heard about an American making paintings in, in really the wilds, north of North Bay, in the middle of nowhere. And he would, the stories I heard was that he would come to her with some blank masonite and buy whatever she had painted on prior. And um, fast forward to only just this past year I found out, she, she looked up who this guy was, and he was an art dealer, and he was working with a group of seven artists. Mm -hmm. And so she was that close to um, actually having a career that way had she stayed in Canada, but in fact she came to the U.S. I'm a naturalized citizen myself. Mm -hmm. I was born in Canada. but. Uh, grew up surrounded by her paintings and her sister was a, a ceramicist and seeing them both and participating in the process of them selling their art, I grew up knowing for myself that I'd make and sell art. The two came together for me because that's what I saw. Can you elaborate on that because I, I and, and let me sort of set this. You grew up seeing all of your, your mother's work and her creations, mm -hmm. and then realized that I've got this talent too. Mm -hmm. my, t my making art actually didn't start in earnest until I was, a, I was very fortunate to be in a high school with an, uh, that had money, the community and outside of Washington, D.C., and it was Walt Whitman High School. They had a teacher there, a fine arts department that was being supported by the principal of the school, uh, Jerome Marco was his name, and the teacher I had who was uh, running the department, I don't think he was officially running it, but he did run it. His name was Walter Bartman, and uh, he retired about 10 years ago. He's an absolutely phenomenal painter. He, uh, he was an award-winning artist. I can't remember for the life of me right now which big uh, fellowship he got, but it's one of the big ones. But he taught at that school for 30 years, and um, I do not hesitate to say that some of the finest artists of my age, and maybe 10 years younger, who came uh, under his tutelage, became very fine and well-recognized artists in New York and around the world, um, mm -hmm. uh, which you know is really exciting. That wasn't my path to become famous right away, and good thing I don't aspire to it because that's a lifestyle. I have no interest in, uh, but uh, I didn't start to paint until I was about 16, and I had a job 
and could afford to buy my own paints. And so I perpetuated it for myself within that venue mm -hmm. of being fortunate with that artist. And my mom, uh, you know, when I asked to take over the family room in the house, she said yes. So there's support for you again. I, I took a living room sized room and I put my bed at one end and I had, I had a, a model train set up at one end because I liked messing around, pretending I knew what I was doing with electric <laughs> wires. And, and then I had an easel and, and the floor became a mess of paint and turpentine. And uh, that was my early support. So sticking with um, the idea of support from your parents, from and my mother. From your mother, okay. Yeah. Your, my your father mother. is not a part of the okay. picture. And your education as well, like being able to go to a school mm -hmm. where art is supported, yeah. obviously funded. Um, mm -hmm. Can you just talk about that experience and then kind of frame it in the context of where you see art in education now? Oh, uh, that's an interesting thing because... Um, so yes, I was in this really great school, which was a result of my mom moving the whole family to a great neighborhood uh, where that school was located. I don't know that she knew that would be the result, but it was. Um, it was a wealthy area of Bethesda, Maryland, and so when, they, when the kids were in this program, they also knew they'd get the money from their parents or from themselves for paint and canvas and things like that. I had my own job. My mom was a single parent. She didn't have money to give me for paint and all that. So I funded myself through that. Um, and that was great. I, I didn't love having the job. I was not doing well academically. Um, but it didn't matter to me. I, you know, I had dreams of going to college, but I also knew I'd have to work that out some other way. Um, and I did. Um, having had that experience, I definitely had my own starting point. However, my starting point was actually much earlier than that. Speaking of ancient art, my mom's mom was an educator and she had a private school that she was uh, principal of in, in a suburb of Baltimore. And it was a very small school and it was actually a home. The house, I lived with her for a few years and the home was also the school there were extended rooms, and there was ancient art all over that school. There were animals all over that school. Uh, I mean, horses and pigeons and iguanas and fish, and you know, it was crazy uh, and very enriching. So ancient art was something I grew up with. And so were huge posters, charts of different breeds of dogs. That was part of my visual education from the time I was uh, three years old to when I was nine years old when she died and we left the school. Now can you elaborate on ancient art um, for the person who may not even have an idea of what that so, is? For me ancient art is uh, Egyptian art, you know, prehistoric paintings, uh, cave wall paintings. My grandmother commissioned my mom to do illustrations of cavemen doing paintings on walls. And so those were all over the school. I own one of those now, and each of my sisters own another. But I want to bring it back to the current, to close to present day. Uh, while my children were in elementary school and middle school and high school, I 
came to volunteering for the first time in my adult life. I had never been a volunteer for anything, but having uh, one of my children's parents run for PTA president, she knew me, she said, I, I need somebody else I know and come join up. I said, okay, not knowing what I was getting into and ended up doing quite a bit of art within the schools. And so I'm specifically talking about Merciful Elementary School. Yeah. If you go through there, you'll see about 30 murals that I painted over a period of about five yeah, years. Yeah, and what I ran was not an art contest, it was an idea contest. So that each year, based on their character education principles that they, were, that they had integrated into the education system, and still is in all the schools, I had the kids come up with drawings that meant something to them about what they learned. And I'm talking about fifth graders only. And we would choose the drawings, and I would work with the children to make enlargements. The biggest one, I think, is eight foot by three foot mm -hmm. on a wall. And so I knew the art teacher, and I know he struggled with his art program, in, in, struggled in the sense that he did not have an art room. Our classes were in the cafeteria. He was moving all his material on a cart from a closet to, to that facility. So I'm very aware, at least for the school I was in, what my children's art, art programs were in their schools. And um, my daughter actually, all three of my children went to Nottingham High School, and my daughter specifically took art courses there. And that experience was, it was okay. I was stunned that there was never uh, a still life set up uh, over, over a course of a couple of months for everyone to be doing drawings from. It was generally drawings from magazines or something like that. So I feel like the, in my children's experience and for their schools, whatever the reasons are, and it's most likely funding, uh, that their experience was not nearly what mine was. Um, my daughter never took a drawing class from me. She had her own mind, and her art is quite different from mine and extraordinary in my view um, and is a reflection of her culture and her experience. She's in Philadelphia making a name for herself, getting ready to have her first show, which is also very exciting. So that's what I have to say about art education. Mm -hmm. and, and, I'd, and I'd like to revisit that later and drill down on that. Um, as you know, this area, this region, Mercer County, New Jersey, has a dearth of very artistic uh, men and women who are doing some fantastic work. And uh, I'm always interested to hear their different perspectives of how they grew up with art, their influences and the education that they received, compared to what we have now. And a fear that I have is that we as a culture aren't recognizing the importance of art and I say art you know big picture art mm -hmm. everything that has creation to me is art whether it's industrial um, engineering whatever it is it's all art and I think that the avenue um, the boulevard starts with giving um, children the opportunity to create whether that's creating with paint or with with crayons or pencils, but just giving them the space to create. 
and to do that in a safe environment where there are no structures or rules. Mm -hmm. If you want to draw a round building, then draw a round building mm -hmm. and, and think about the dynamics of that. So I'm always interested um, in hearing successful professionals like yourself um, explain like your process and what got you to this point. So we'll revisit that later. Now I'd like to transition to the, to the artwork that's here in the gallery at the program in Gender and Sexuality Studies here in Princeton at Princeton University. And it, if I'm going to describe it, it, yes, it's a landscape, but the landscapes, there's this vibrancy about them, but it's also very subtle. And the subtlety of it is what I'm really intrigued about because growing up in this area and, and having woods and, and uh, being a rural area at that time, I can see this is what I grew up around, like being able to go in and look for tadpoles and to be able to go and fish at the local lake. Or, hey, there was a storm last night. Let's go walk through the woods and see if that living dead tree is now laying down, etc. So can you just talk about the, the aesthetic of your artwork? Um, uh, I'd like to um, start that by going back in time a little bit to um, to my training, and I'll I'll come through the timeline pretty quickly. But my early training was very traditional in high school. It was painting still lifes, drawing from life, and all of that. And the couple of times where I strayed from that, um, I was looked at askance by all of my peers because I wasn't doing something that was um, uh, part of the format that, that everyone else was being told to follow. So uh, I often strayed, <laughs> but I didn't have a problem with that. Um, when I moved to California after high school to apprentice with a ceramicist, my mom's sister took me in for a year to apprentice with as a ceramicist. Um, I also did some paintings for a couple of years there, and it was landscape based. It was I was out in, in the desert doing paintings, but about 30 years went by where I didn't paint. 20 years, I'm sorry, about 20 years, um, except for some very abstract pieces, which I also understand now as being landscape based. But uh, I I came back to New Jersey and was casting bronze, which were abstract. I now recognize as being the work of a frustrated painter. They really were three-dimensional landscapes on canvas, except that they were bronze sculpture. All right, and, so, so stick, and, stick and with hold me. on a minute, because it gets weirder. <laughs> I then went to Mason Gross. I, I, I then was no longer at the foundry and no longer casting metal, so I picked up sheets of copper roofing, and I was banging copper roofing around and attaching them to um, architectural salvage windows. And those were also the work of a frustrated painter because they were three-dimensional, but they were also flat. And then I was at, uh, I went back to school. I worked with Joan Semmel and Bob Cook. So I was in the painting program, but I actually only made two paintings. The rest were drawings and clay. I had my degrees in painting, but the ceramics I was making were somewhat like bowls and somewhat like vessels and I had several shows of those and sold quite a few but they were also more about the surface and modeling the surfaces and so they were also more like paintings although they were round 
I see them and saw them at the time more as about a surface than anything else. So all abstract, all landscape based. And many years went by where I then wasn't making work at all because I focused on my family, raising my family and renovating a, an old home and uh, investing my time in the family dynamic um, and painting through the volunteerism through the schools where it wasn't about my vision, it was about other people's visions. And through all of that, I was learning something. Oh, and for a time I was doing little decorative paintings on wood, wood frames and furniture as a way to earn some extra money and to get out of the house a little bit. And I learned something from all of those as well. I learned some quick mark making. I learned about shooting from the hip on, on a brush stroke and about color, which I wasn't using for many years. I was using materials, but not color. And so all of that came together at a point where my kids uh, were old enough for me to put my hands on my hips. And I said, I'm no longer doing your laundry and I may not cook dinner. And uh, they have not complained. And my husband, God bless him, hasn't complained either. And uh, maybe the house is in a disarray, but I'm at my easel and I'm making these paintings. So what I've done was not knowing where to pick up again, I decided to go back to the beginning. I, I could not pick up, you know, from where 22 years ago I showed in this very same space a series of paintings that were very abstract. They were white paint and graphic, uh, graphite pencil. And I had taken pins and razor blades and uh, layered the paint on top of graphite, uh, graph paper. And they were just these very, very minimal paintings that almost weren't paintings. They were drawings, but they were almost not even there. I sold almost all of those. But I just am not the same person. My mind wasn't in the same place. I wasn't interested in that imagery anymore. And so I went back to the beginning. I decided to paint the landscape again. But it's not that I'm interested in painting a portrait of anything. I've never been interested in that, which is why I strayed mm -hmm. so often so long ago. <laughs> I just decided to start painting landscapes. And uh, my approach isn't so much about a portrait of anywhere. It's about, interestingly, sculpting with paint. <laughs> <laughs> because for a while I was making sculptures about paintings in a way, I understand now. Now I'm not so much interested in making a landscape that you can recognize as any particular place. I'm just using the paint to, to express land and light and forms in my way. And I think that's why this work speaks to me because I, I'm at this space where I'm questioning a lot of the different rules and ideologies and why we are so fixated on doing very specific things because that's what someone told us mm -hmm. we have to do and at the same time we're recognizing well I don't know if this is really working <laughs> so why do we continue to do this and yeah okay I can understand and, and, and relating it to, to painting um, yeah I can recognize that building in the fall I can recognize that that's what it is. But with your work, I'd much rather look at it and say, this makes me think about this time in my life when I was in this space where there's some similarities. And not necessarily 
are the people who were with me, would they think, oh, that's what that space is. Mm-hmm. But for me, that's what warms my heart mm-hmm. and satisfies my soul. For me to say, oh, no, I remember I was in a space like that in Washington Crossing Park. Mm-hmm. And someone say, that's not Washington Crossing State Park, but I can say that. Right. And I think that is part of what we're missing with the ability of art. Mm-hmm. That the ability of art frees us and just expands our minds. And on top of that, it's created by a, a human being. So um, so kudos to you, and I'm really appreciating your work. So let's go around the room and, and a few of the, the paintings that you have. Can you just share a little bit about them and put it in a context so that the, the people who were only hearing would sort of be able to grasp it? All right. Um, uh, in the interest of, of, of full disclosure, uh, because I have a full-time job and because I have all my other uh, obligations for my time and attention uh, outside of making art, as everybody does, uh, some to more, one degree or another, um, I do rely on, uh, unfortunately, I don't go out with a chair and a sketchbook and do studies. I don't have the time to do that, uh, but that's okay. I'm not interested in doing that, actually, as you know. Um, I do rely on a phone, uh, a camera, and I've got a very good one, and I, I will be trolling through my life and seeking out places, and sometimes not seeking them out, they just grab me. And uh, that happened recently with uh, the painting that I called Rosemont, which is my most recent one in this collection here. This is the most recent. Um, I was actually uh, on the road for work and going through an area of New Jersey that I had not been familiar with. A beautiful farmland, absolutely beautiful. And, um, and I, I was dro- driving through there looking all around me, just a beautiful day, and it was on the way back through there that I knew I had to stop. And uh, one particular grouping of trees way off in a distance uh, with a light coming path through them just caught my eye and I mm-hmm. took a photo of it. And this is based very loosely on that impression. So it's not that I just rolled down my window. I, you know, I got out of my car, I felt the light, I felt the, the, the temperature of the air and all of those things. And the painting happened a day or so later. Um, and it's, it all has to be that quickly. You know, a week later, I'm not gonna remember those things. And it's not that I'm doing a painting from the photo that you won't find a tree in Rosemont or a group that looks like this because I take liberties. The painting takes me in directions. Mm -hmm. The process of painting, the shape of the canvas, all of those things, it's gonna become its own thing, separate from what inspired it. But the inspiration is important to me. And uh, so these are all, they're they're all, as landscapes, they're all about trees and light. You know, there isn't one without a tree in it, and a lot of trees, and they're all, Trees are having a conversation with their neighbors, um, and the light and the ground and all that. Um, uh, I work with a very limited palette, although, I mean, I, I think it's not a stretch to see that, um, because I, I don't consider myself a colorist or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really just, uh, I like to think that I can draw, and these are more about sort of defining a space in a linear way Mm. Uh, and so color as a painter color is just a way of infusing light and creating this the dramatic uh, uh, 
contrasts to convey those things. I'd like for you to talk about this one, um, which is, I, I think summarizes a bit of what you were saying about linear, um, but it, looking at it, if I'm going to describe it, I would say that this is probably sometime in the fall or, or winter. It looks like there's a bit of a ridge. Um, looks like the ground is sloping towards some sort of a body of water, possibly mm -hmm. a, a stream or a creek or a creek if you're mm -hmm. from uh, this region. Mm -hmm. Can you just uh, share a little bit about that? I'm, I'm really intrigued that you picked that one out because that, of all the pieces here, is the one that I have the most complicated relationship with. <laughs> it sounds pretty much like me and my life. <laughs> um, uh, I struggled with that piece because I was really after a very specific thing. And uh, I, I feel I attained it 80% of the way. Um, my daughter tells me that it's her favorite, and I don't see why, but <laughs> I've, I've left it be what it is because I learned a lot through it. Um, again, the, the very limited palette, I was trying to stretch it to its limits with this painting uh, as far as having um, a wide range of values mm -hmm. if one was to... Uh, take it through your, your quick photo edit and make it a black and white. Mm -hmm. um, I was trying to do that purposefully to learn something. Uh, I don't think it's my most successful piece, uh, but it is the one that I learned the most from most recently. Um, that said, uh, what I'm doing now, what I'm working on currently in my studio are a series of paintings that are reflecting back to an experience I had while I was doing uh, for Scythia on the Creek, the painting right there, which is m far more abstract than any of the others in here, but which sure. in fact isn't so much more abstract as it is an enlargement of a detail of any one of these other paintings. So that approach, when I was doing that painting, I started it and it was the start. Uh, and having started it, I needed to give myself some space and give it some time to dry and things like that before I knew what I was going to do next. And before I knew it, the painting told me it was done. And I agreed. Um, and, and it is now, and, and so I was very intrigued by what had just happened. It, it was like a chance encounter with somebody new. Mm. And, and things click, and you don't know why, and you don't know when you're going to see them again, but you know that you want to. <laughs> so I put it aside, I did a whole bunch of other paintings, and now I'm coming back to it, and that's what I have in my studio currently, or series of paintings that are for my next, it'll be a group show uh, in August, that are far more abstract. Initially, your, your experience of them will be that they're more extra abstract. But really, the approach is very much like what I've been doing, it's just a looser interpretation. This particular piece that you're speaking of, I, again, I, I see a body of water, mm -hmm. um, a, a bit of a, a rural area, but I'm, I'm captured by what appears to be some sort of a reflection mm -hmm. um, towards the upper portion of the piece. And it looks like it could be a building, but the rest of the painting wouldn't symbolize that. Right. Well... Uh, it's called Forsythia on the Creek, and in fact, the, the little spot that 
I was drawn to uh, for that. It was a beautifully lit day, backlit, the little creek, you're right, and uh, a little clump of trees that were hanging on to the embankment. And beyond it was just this flooding of light. Uh, and beyond that, just a, uh, an anonymous grouping of trees, which, uh, like I say, this was the start of the painting. Uh, but it all, it all didn't need to be any more uh, defined than that. It didn't need to be an illustration of the spot. Um, and so, although there were no forsythia at that creek, I called it that because that yellow uh, spoke, it, it, it told me that it needed to be that name. Mm. <laughs> because mm. that yellow, you know, when we think of forsythia, we think of sunlight and that brilliant yellow. And um, it's as simple as that. It's a response to the process of the painting as much as to the spot that inspired it. Great. And now I want to turn it over to the curator. And uh, can you just tell me a little bit about the actual process of having Lainey's work exhibited here and then also some details about the show? Sure. Um, last spring at Kim University, I stepped into her booth and was captivated by the playfulness in her representation of nature. I find her stuff to have a great sense of humor, to be very happy. It's all very happy nature to me. So, plus the colors were just so juicy and rich. <laughs> So I, I'm always keeping my eyes open for new artists. I had not known her. Mm -hmm. So I asked her for her card. I told her, I think at the time I told you that I wanted to have you as an exhibitor, but I don't think it really sunk in. I don't know if it... I, I had remembered, you know, nine months went by, <laughs> and then I got an email from you saying that, that I was scheduled for a show, and I said, how is it that I know you? <laughs> But uh, fortunately, I had an open schedule, and so here we are. But yeah. yeah, you introduced yourself as a curator, but you didn't have a card, so I didn't, and I didn't write your name down, so I... Yes, but I took Lainey's information down. Yeah. I mean, I knew I was going to contact her, and I work a year out, mm -hmm. so um, booking artists for exhibit here. So, um, yeah, so then she was telling me she was going to work on new work, and so we have a blend of old and new, which is just awesome stuff. I love the new that she's unfolding because it leaves much more up to my imagination to make connections in the colors, the shapes, the, you know, just the, how the whole space is laid out, where her work of last year, when I came upon it, it's very explicit, but it's still very happy. You know, so, so I love I love the direction that she's going in. I think it's going to be fabulous to watch. Um, some of the work she, she was telling me earlier, you know, because some of this canvas glistens like the tree over here. Mm -hmm. So she adds glaze to it, and I just love the colors. And she said she only uses four. I'm like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? You know, and I had to know which ones those were. And one of those colors is white. Mm -hmm. So 
go figure what the other three are to come up with this and maybe she'll splash two others in possibly. So, you know, I, it's just tremendous expression what you can do with so little and yet it's very uplifting. Mm -hmm. And um, and so then we curated a collection together. She would send it, send JPEGs through email so that I could see what was coming up, um, what she had in mind that she wanted to show. And, um, and then the, for me as a curator, the hanging is always the art for me because art always tells a story. Mm -hmm. So when you walk in the room, what's the experience? When you look around, what's the experience? Does it tell a story? Do you leave feeling, wow, that was an interesting experience? You know, has it changed you in some way? And so um, my joy to work with Lainey's work was to just hang the collection in a way that it would touch the looker. Great. Now, what are the gallery hours, and how long will Lainey's work be exhibited? Every artist that's in this gallery is exhibited for two months, so she'll be here after Labor Day. The Wednesday after Labor Day, she'll, her show, show will come down. Uh, 10 to 4 p.m. are the gallery hours. Um, I don't have a phone number to give, but um, if you call the program in Gender and Sexuality Studies, just to make sure before you come, that their door is open because it is a office gallery. Sometimes they leave for meetings or some, you know, so just to be sure, give a call. There's a general number that you can reach through the Princeton switchboard. Great. And uh, Lainey, where's your work going next? Um, I know you have this series of work. I've been to your studio. It's, let's just say there's a lot of work that, that's there. And that's only what I saw. And um, so you, you've got this vast collection of, of things that you have done and I'm sure that you'll be working on. But briefly, where, where are you headed next in your creativity? Um, well, I was approached by uh, another curator in the area, uh, Craig Schaffed, who wants me to be part of Summer Threads, which is a two-week show. It's actually four weeks, but it's two shows within four weeks. Um, showcasing women artists in from the region and that's at Hopewell Valley uh, Hopewell Vineyards mm -hmm. in Pennington I believe uh, off of Route 31 and that's going to be the second two weeks of August so the work I'm the pieces I'm working on right now are destined for that show so I'm very excited about that um, beyond that um, Michael Bizdak uh, of Johnson Johnson, he used to curate the corporate headquarters shows in New Brunswick. Um, when I started to paint again about a year ago, his, he, he was one of my early supporters 20 some years ago. And so when I started to paint again, I reached out to him and said, hey Mike, just letting you know, I'm back in the saddle. And within three hours I had a solo show. I did not ask him for it, but somebody contacted me and had me scheduled for a solo show in 2019. So what's up for me next? I'm going to be working my ass, <laughs> working hard for that show in 2019 because I have to not just have 20 pieces. I need to have made 40 because the good news is I'm selling well and I need to keep, keep selling throughout the whole thing. That's fantastic. Yeah. Lady Moranti, thanks for a couple of minutes of your time, um, also with your mother and a curator as well. More information about Lainey's artwork is available on her website, LaineyMoranti.com, L-E-N-I-M-O-R-A-N-T-E.com. 
Thank you, ladies, for your time. You're welcome. Thank you.